Hello friends and shalom. This is Tom with Truth Ignited Ministry where we talk about what they don't teach in the churches. And today I'm bringing you a message that I've titled Understanding Grace. You see, grace is one of the hottest topics in Christianity today. It's, it's a real buzzword. It's a trending buzzword all throughout Christian religion and everybody wants to talk about grace and it seems like half of the churches in the Christian religion are named some kind of grace church. This grace church and that grace church and everybody's naming their churches grace church. And, and grace is, is the topic of the day. Everybody wants to talk about grace, but I don't think they actually know what it means. So that's why I want to bring this message and talk to you a little bit about what grace actually means according to the Bible. You know, there's a hyper-grace heresy today, and I call it a heresy because that's absolutely what it is. They have taken the term grace, the concept of grace, and they've twisted and distorted the message of grace, and it's promoted. This hyper-grace idea is promoted by some of the most popular television preachers today, and, and it's the theme of some of the most popular worship songs today, you know, other than the ones that are promoting humanism, because that seems to be the two major problems with so-called Christian praise and worship music today, is it's either promoting this false view of grace, or it's promoting humanism. Those are the two biggest problems in what they call worship music today. And, and you know, humanism is, is for another time, it's a, another topic, but, you know, the problem with all of this, however, is that it's all based on a wrong concept of grace, a wrong idea of grace, a wrong understanding of what grace means according to the Bible. Now, if you want to talk about grace and, and you go to an academic circle, a theological circle, a scholarly type of environment, you'll probably find people talking about the Greek word for grace and the Hebrew word for grace and, and how they mean favor. Some would even say unmerited favor, and, and that's certainly a biblical concept. You know, we see with the the even with the beginning with Noah was the first person that your Bible says found grace or favor in the eyes of God, and, and it talks about how God gave him the vision to build the ark and gave him instructions. And guess what? If you look at that story, if you look at the whole narrative of Noah's ark and the flood, he was given grace, but then he was given instructions. And it wasn't grace that saved him. Grace is was what gave him the instructions. It was following the instructions that actually saved Noah and his family. And that's very important to recognize when we talk about grace. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that because it's so essential to understand that grace is not, is not something that sets you free from the instructions. That's what Christians believe today. The Christians 
Christian concept of grace seems to be this idea that grace is what supposedly sets you free from the obligations of the law. But if you study scripture, if you study what the Bible actually says about this matter, you'll find out that it's the exact opposite of that. No, no other major Bible word have Christians gotten so wrong as the word grace. Their definition, their belief, their concept of grace is 100% the exact opposite of the biblical definition of grace, the biblical concept of grace, the biblical view of grace. They are totally different, and we need to change our thinking on this. We need to change our mind on this. We need to change our definition to the biblical definition of grace. And going to these Greek and Hebrew words only gets you so far. But God thought so much of his word. He thought so much of his standards. He thought so much of his way that he gave us definitions for these words in the Bible. In Titus 2, chapter, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, it tells us, it defines for us what grace is in the eyes of Yahweh. It says, for the grace of Yah has appeared, bringing salvation to all men and training us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and training us to live in a manner that is self-controlled and righteous and godly in this present age. Let's take a look. Let's look in detail. Let's, let's examine and break down this passage when, and see what it tells us, see what it means, see what we can discover about biblical grace from this passage. First, it says that it brings salvation to all men. Of course, this is in harmony with what the scripture says. It says we are saved by grace, but not through works, lest any man should boast. That's a misunderstood passage as well, because people don't, they don't read the whole context. They don't study the whole counsel of scripture. They'll take a passage like that and say, see right there, it says that we're saved by grace, not by works. That means that you can't be saved by the law. Let let me tell you something okay let me let me help all of the not a salvation issue people out there okay let me fix you a little bit let me help you out all of the people who say nobody goes to hell for this that or the other all of the people who say well that's not really a sin because the Bible tells us what sin is too. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But but let me help all of the people who want to say that the Torah is not a salvation issue. That commandments are not a salvation issue. That what you eat is not a salvation issue. That what day you commemorate as the Sabbath. Because there is only one day of the week that the Bible defines as the Sabbath. And all of the people who want to say that's not a salvation issue let me help you out for a second here if it's in the bible it's a salvation issue okay the beatitudes are a salvation issue okay the begats 
are a salvation issue. The Psalms and the Proverbs are a salvation issue. The Gospel is a salvation issue. The writings of Paul is a salvation issue. The Revelation is a salvation issue. The call of the prophets is a salvation issue. And the Torah of your God is a salvation issue. Now they might not all be the means by which you earn salvation or receive salvation. They may not be the means by which you keep or maintain your salvation issue. But I can promise you, if it's in your Bible, it's a salvation issue. We need to get away from this term, not a salvation issue. That's a term of the devil. That's a term of Satan. Read Genesis chapter 3. The first thing he said was, did God really say? He said, you won't surely die. He said, it's not a salvation issue if you eat the fruit of the tree. That term, not a salvation issue, comes not from your Bible. It comes from the enemy of your Bible. It comes from Satan himself. Stop saying it's not a salvation issue because if it's in the Bible, it's a salvation issue. Friends, the, the, the problem is that people stop after they get to the point where it says we're saved by grace and not of works, lest any man should boast. But, it, but those passages always say more. Paul said more in the book of Romans. Paul said more in the book of Galatians. Paul said more to the Corinthians and to the Ephesians and to all that he wrote to. And, and Titus chapter 2, it goes on. It says that grace trains us in two things okay it says the first thing is that it trains us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires these are just fancy words for sin and first John 3 4 is where we find the biblical definition of sin it says that that sin is the breaking the transgressing the violating of the Torah now, most Bibles translate that as lawlessness or the law. But if you look into it in detail, you will re find it revealed that that is referring to the Torah of Yah. That is the only thing that John, a first century Jewish follower of Yeshua, would have considered the law that is being defined, that, that is being defied as sin. And that is what he was talking about. He said sin is the breaking and the transgressing and the violating of the Torah. I had I shared that with somebody recently. And I said 1 John 3, 4 says that sin is the breaking and the transgressing and the violating of the Torah. They came back and said, that's not what the verse says. I said, look again, look again, pull it up in multiple translations. You'll find the word breaking breaking used in some translations. You'll find the word transgression used in some translations. You'll find the word violating or violation used in some translations. And you will absolutely find that it's referring to the Torah of Yah. Read your Bible, but don't just stop there. Study your Bible, but don't just stop there. Follow your Bible. Amen.
And then it says that grace, grace is given first to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. It's given for the purpose that you will stop sinning, that you will stop breaking the Torah. That is the first purpose of grace in your life is to get you to stop breaking the Torah because you can't move forward. You can't move, you can't progress in your faith until you decide, I've had enough of the world. I've had enough of false Christian religion. I've had enough of man-made rituals in Judaism. I've had enough of the lies. I'm going to commit to following the Torah. And once you do that, once you commit to stop breaking the Torah, once you commit to following the Torah, that's when the second purpose of grace begins to kick in. It says that it's given to train you in self-control and righteousness and godliness. It's given for you to, to be holy. If you study the word, if you look at the word righteousness, the word righteous, in, in, you, in some Bible resources, theological resources, you'll find out that it has to do with keeping the commandments of God. But Deuteronomy 6.25, it says that it will be counted as righteousness if we do, if we follow, if we obey, if we live our lives according to the Torah of our God, the Torah of Yah, that is the definition of righteousness. So we've defined grace according to the Bible. We've defined sin according to the Bible. We've defined righteousness according to the Bible. Do you see a pattern here? Do you see a trend? here God said make no mistake about it people are gonna come along and they're gonna try to tell you that grace means this but I said grace means that they're gonna come along and they're gonna try to say sin doesn't have anything to do with the Torah but I put it in my word that sin the definition of sin is breaking my Torah I, he, they're gonna come along and they're gonna try to talk about righteousness apart from following the Torah, but I made sure to put it right in my word, in the Torah itself, in Deuteronomy, that righteousness is defined as following and obeying and doing and living according to the Torah. That's what it is. And look, if you pair that, that definition with the phrase, be holy, just as Yah is holy. That's a phrase that's found in your Bible. Peter quoted it. He said it is written to be holy, just as Yah is holy. Where is it written? It's written in the Torah. It's twice married with the food laws. Leviticus chapter 11, verses 44 and 45. Leviticus chapter 20. Verses 25 and 26, marry the phrase, be holy, just as Yah is holy, with the food laws. And then if you go to Leviticus 19, verses 2 and 3, it says it again. It says, be holy, just as Yah is holy. And in the very next verse, it tells us that we have to keep the Sabbaths 
of our God, the Shabbatot, not just singular, but plural. He's talking not just about the weekly Sabbath, which is in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, but he's also talking about those feast days, those holy high days. Those are also called Shabbatot. So now the phrase to be holy, just as Yah is holy, is also married to keeping the Shabbatot, the Sabbaths, the weekly Sabbath, and the annual feast day Sabbaths. So that is what he's talking about here. Grace is giving us the power, giving us the ability, giving us the instructions to follow the Torah of our God. Grace leads us to stop sinning and then causes us to walk in the Torah of Yah. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 27 it's speaking about the new covenant it's talking about the coming new covenant just as was prophesied by Jeremiah it was speaking about that and it says that after you receive the new heart and the new mind the new spirit that Jeremiah was speaking of it says that then I Yah, will fill the new covenant believer with my spirit and when I do that I will cause them to walk in my laws I will cause them to walk in the Torah. You see, many today, especially in the Pentecostal churches and the charismatic churches and the word of faith churches and all of these these progressive churches, they will tell you that the evidence of being filled with the Spirit is that you speak with other tongues. Now, I'm not opposed to spiritual gifts. They're part of the Bible. They are therefore a salvation issue. Not in the way that some of them try to say, because some will say that you can't be saved unless you speak in other tongues. That's not biblical, folks. That's not that's not the message of Scripture. That would be a salvation earned through works, but I can assure you that spiritual gifts are a salvation issue just as much as anything else in the Bible is a salvation issue. Because as I said, if it's in your Bible, it's a salvation issue. But Ezekiel, it tells us that the evidence that you're filled with the Spirit is that you will walk in the Torah. So when you see all of these people that believe that the evidence of being spirit-filled is that they speak with other tongues, but they don't walk in the Torah, they're not filled with the Spirit of Yah. They're filled with a Spirit, but it's not the Spirit. Because if they were filled with the Spirit, they would walk in the Torah of their God. Hebrews 10, verse 26 and 29. Let me tell you what this says. This is important. Listen up. This is important. Hebrews 10, verse 26 and 29. It says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? The truth is the Torah. Psalm 119, verse 142 says, The Torah is truth. After, if we sin, if we break the Torah willfully, after we've received the knowledge of the Torah, 
there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sin. Listen, folks, if you study the context, it's talking about the sacrifice of Yeshua. It's talking about his sacrifice on up on the cross. Call it a cross. Call it a tree. Call it a beam. Call it whatever you want to call it. But it, he, he was crucified. And this is talking about that context. It's saying here that if you break the Torah after you've received the full knowledge of the Torah, there is no longer a sacrifice. Not even the blood of Yeshua can save you if you get so far as to reject the Torah after you've been given the opportunity to know the truth about the Torah. It says only a terrifying judgment judgment there is a passage that says it is time for judgment to begin in the house of Yah and if the judgment begins in the house of Yah what is left for those that don't even follow the Bible and a fury of fire about to devour the enemies of Yah anyone who rejected the Torah dies without compassion on the word of two or three witnesses how much more severe do you think will be the punishment will be for the one who has trampled underfoot the son of Yah and regarded unholy the blood of the covenant and has insulted the spirit of grace think about it think real hard about this grace causes us to walk in the Torah Titus 11 Titus 2 11 through 12 grace causes us to walk in the Torah the spirit Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 27 the spirit causes us to walk in the Torah and if you claim that you're in covenant with Yah through Yeshua the Messiah but you're not walking in the Torah you are insulting the spirit of grace you are trampling underfoot the Messiah who shed his blood for you that's why it's telling you that it can't even save you if you go that far my friends the churches teach a lot of things that are in error but of this thing I can be sure you better follow the Torah if you have any doubt in your mind follow the Torah anyway because this is a serious matter don't listen to the lying pastors that are telling you the same thing that the ancient serpent said in Genesis chapter 3 in the midst of the Garden of Eden. Don't follow that stuff. Go to your Bible and see the truth. See the power, the life-changing power of grace that is supposed to cause you to live and walk in the Torah. Listen, so thick is the deception in Christianity Christian religion they, they're so deceived that many believe probably most of them have been led to believe that it's impossible to stop sinning but is that what the Bible says no the Bible says first Peter chapter 4 in verse 1 and I'm gonna switch gears here and read this from the ERV version 
It says Christ suffered while he was in his body. So you should strengthen yourselves with the same kind of thinking that Christ had. Think about it. He had the Torah was in his mind. It's what he lived by. You have to have the same kind of thinking that Yeshua had. Thinking that we are supposed to live according to the Torah. And then it says, it says, the one who accepts suffering in this life has clearly decided to stop sinning. That's what your Bible says. It says that you can stop sinning in this lifetime. And it's not that difficult. Because if you study what sin is, it's breaking the Torah. We're given the Torah. We're given all of the instructions in our Bible. We're given the Torah. It's right in front of us. Just as it says at the end of Deuteronomy. It's not way up in the sky where you can't reach it. It's not on the other side of the sea where you can't get to it. It's right in front of you. It's in your Bible. All you have to do is open up your Bible. And if you are truly in covenant, then when you read it in your Bible, it will connect with what has been put in your mind, and it will connect with what has been written on your heart, and then the spirit of Yah that is in you will take that connection that comes in your mind, in your heart, between the pages of your Bible, and what has, when what Yah has put inside of you, and that's when the spirit will take over and cause you to walk in his Torah to stop sinning and start living according to the Torah. The exact thing that Titus 2 defines grace as being the thing that causes us to stop sinning and start living according to the Torah of our God. 1 John 2, 4, it says, The one who says, I have come to know him, but does not keep the commandments, is a liar. Is a liar. Is a liar. Preachers that tell you you don't have to follow the Torah are lying to you. That's what your Bible says. Stop listening to them. The moment they tell you that you don't have to follow the Torah anymore is the moment you should say thank you for your time and walk right out the front door of their church. Because let me tell you something. That is a lie. They're lying to you. It says, and the truth is not in him or her again. The truth is the Torah. Psalm 119.142 If you say that you know him, don't but don't follow the commandments. The Torah. You're a liar because the Torah is not in you. Because if you were in covenant, the Torah would be in your mind and the Torah would be on your heart and the spirit of Yah would be in you, causing you to walk in the Torah. It goes on in verse 6 to say that we must walk as he walked. He walked according to the Torah. Must. Not an option. Following the Torah is not some higher level of faith, but it's okay if you just want to believe in Jesus. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says. It says that the demand of Scripture, the demand 
of the apostles, the demand of Yeshua, the demand of the prophets and the patriarchs and all who were used to write the Bible and the demand of the Holy Spirit that should be living inside of you is the mandate to follow the Torah. And friends, this is where I have to end the broadcast. But please remember that there's much to be gained by a return to the discarded values of the past. And I'm going to see you in the next message. Shalom. Hey there. I'm so glad you tuned in today. Now, if you enjoy the teachings of Truth Ignited and you want to financially support the ministry, we want to offer you a few ways to do that. First, we've got our cash app. Scan the QR code or use dollar sign Truth Ignited. Now this is a preferred method because we don't incur any fees for this service. But we understand that not everybody uses the Cash App, so you can also go to our Spotify for Podcasters page right here, and you can sign up to become a $5 or $10 monthly partner. You can also visit truthignited.com and give your financial support there and find a lot more great messages just like the one you listen to. Also, be sure to check out our Tee Public store where you can find a lot of really cool merchandise, t-shirts and other items that you can use to show off your faith. Be sure to follow Truth Ignited on Facebook, Twitter or X, YouTube, Instagram, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And remember to share these messages on all of your social media pages. I'll see you next time. Blessings and Shalom.